If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 583. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to be back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all the social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, free audiobook of the same title read by yours. Surely. Support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. Always free to enroll. Get that free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, get great courses. You can buy one or 20 or somewhere in between. And of course, you get great content there and you keep this podcast free of charge. Also, click on the support tab at brianmclanahan.com. Throw a few pennies my way monthly, one time, however you want to do it. That's a great way to support the show too. Keep this podcast free of charge. So you're donating to the cause. You can also send me those show requests. So if you want to hear something, send it to me in an email and I'll read it. I may not respond to it, but I will read it or you'll just be surprised. I'll start talking about it on the show. That's almost always, oftentimes how it happens. I just talk about it. Also, you can click on that shop tab at brianmcclanahan.com. Get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally. Uh, let people know this podcast is one of your favorites. Share the material around on social media. That's how we grow the audience. That's how we get more people interested in these ideas of localism and uh, some of the things, that, good and bad, that go along with that. In fact, today is kind of a look at bad when it comes to localism. If we don't try to get out there and get active in these things and do some of these things ourselves, we just say, well, somebody else will do it. Uh, we have to get involved. I mean, we talked about Monday with Mike Mahari and how these local governments are saying, you know, we're not going to take this stuff. We're not going to do, we're not going to take the money. Well, local governments are responsible for a lot of cancel culture. And that's without question. School boards, city councils, they're very much involved in cancel culture. And we've seen it in Virginia primarily, but also in North Carolina, where you have all these people moving into these states from other parts of the United States. They get involved in things, they vote, and they bring down the local culture of the area. And of course, this is most conspicuous in Confederate monuments and street names and other things. These things were put up by the local people, and uh, now the local residents are taking them down. So not being involved in these things is leading to a situation where some of the stuff uh, is being eradicated. Cancel culture is taking root. Now, one listener asked, hey, look, isn't all this cancel culture stuff just like the French Revolution? In some ways, it is. But in some ways, as I mentioned before on the podcast on Yankees, it goes back further than that. I mean, the French Revolution, uh, 17, late 1780s, 1790s, was certainly a cataclysmic event. In fact, the most cataclysmic event in the history of Western civilization. There's no other when it comes to a political event that matches it. It is the progenitor of all the communist revolutions in the world in the 19th and 20th centuries into the 21st century. Without question, that's the case. 
You don't have uh, you don't have the wars of nationalism take place in Europe without the French Revolution. There's no Napoleon, and Napoleon, of course, brings nationalism to everywhere he goes. And those na- that nationalism will then lead to the centralization of power in Germany and Italy. And of course, that centralization of power in Germany is going to do a lot to bring on some of these great big wars of the 20th century. There's no Russian Revolution without the French Revolution. You look at the communist revolutions in Asia. You look at Vietnam and Laos and Cambodia. Well, what do a lot of these people have in common? Well, French influence, the French Revolution, the French Republic. So that's important, of course. Uh, there's, there's so none of this stuff happens without the French Revolution. But in the French, the French Revolution certainly was a cancel culture. I mean, it was it was massive cancel culture on a violent scale because they're getting rid of anyone that disagrees with them via guillotine or mass executions. You know, people think the French Revolution was all about the guillotine, and it, and the, the reign of terror is all about the guillotine, I should say. And eventually, it was used. I mean, quite a lot. They were executing, they were lopping heads off all the time, but. They also did some other horrible things like uh, put a bunch of priests on a barge and sink it while they tied them to the barge. I mean, that's horrible. Or lining people up and shooting them with cannon. I mean, that's horrible too. These are some of the things that they did during the French Revolution and mass executions. So that is the purest example of cancel culture, violent cancel culture. Just get rid of the other side. We saw this with Pol Pot. In Cambodia, you get rid of the other side however you can. That's a hard cancel culture. What we're seeing now is soft cancel culture. They're not gonna, they're not gonna eliminate you physically, but what they're gonna do is make it almost impossible for you to do anything in life. That's a soft cancel culture. It's a soft tyranny. Well, we're not gonna take away your life, but we're gonna take away your livelihood. We're gonna take away your ability to say things. We're gonna take away any influence you might have. It's gone. And we're going to do it not just for the living, but also the dead. So we're going to rewrite history. Or we're going to make it our version of history. See, this is the thing. A lot of the things that these lefties, leftist twits are talking about isn't new. And I think that's, you know, that's important. Um, you know, Cox's book on Confederate monuments, simply, she says it. All she's doing is going out and reading the other voices about Confederate monuments that have disagreed with them since they were put up, and they're right and the other ones are wrong. Well, essentially, you've just chosen sides. The job of the historian is not to say one is right and one is wrong, necessarily, but you seek to understand, all right, so these people were against it, these people were for it. And don't make stuff up about one the side or the other, and which is what she's also doing. She makes things up to paint the other side to be horrible and the other side to be noble and just. This is what they do. This is why it's important to understand these people are not real historians. They're activists. So when you think about cancel culture, and there's a piece at Intellectual Takeout that was published just a few days ago, Neil Young and the 60s cancel culture that continues to haunt us. So this takes it back to the 60s. And I think you could say, you know, there's something to be said for the 60s having a tremendous impact here. There's little doubt about that. I mean, look, the the hippie generation, the boomers, are certainly a group that is on a larger scale more interested in in cancel culture and other things than other groups. 
the lefties in particular. But it wasn't born in the 60s at all, though the 60s generation and then the generation that immediately followed are doing great damage to American culture. So we're going to talk about that with Virginia and how think locally, act locally. If you're not involved, how bad this can get. But then also, you know, this this thing with Neil Young and Spotify and everything else. Um, you know, it's it's cancel culture of the worst kind. And you go out on social media, you go out on Twitter or Facebook or wherever you have social media, Instagram, whatever whatever you do, and you look at what the left says about some of the things like this. These people are just lunatics. You know, get rid of them all. Get rid of them all. Unless they agree with me, then keep them. And if they try to get rid of them when they disagree with me, I'm going to fight back. But if they don't agree with me, get rid of them. That's the Yankee in them. I talked about this with Yankees. What is a Yankee? A Yankee is someone that will use their power to get rid of something they don't like. Even if it's not anywhere that's, I mean, it doesn't hurt them, but they're going to try to get rid of it because they don't like it. So this is by Kenneth Lafave, Lafave, I guess is how you say it, L-A-F-A-V-E, Kenneth Lafave. The godfather of grunge, 60s rock star Neil Young, seems to be making a comeback lately, at least in news headlines. The Grammy Award-winning musician made ways when he threatened to remove, equally doing, eventually doing so, his music from the streaming service Spotify because of that company's continued hosting of Joe Rogan's podcast. Young disagreed with recent Rogan guests such as Dr. Robert Malone and Dr. P. McCulloch, who advocate non-establishment viewpoints about COVID and the best way to treat the virus. The specter of a radical 1960s rock star attempted to de-platform someone with differing views has prompted some to wonder how such a change could occur. Why, why would Neil Young, who shouted down the establishment way back when, take the establishment's side now and try to use his leverage to silence Joe Rogan? It makes one wonder whether Neil Young was ever truly in favor of freedom. Maybe he was just in favor of imposing his own views on the culture as well as the rest of the radicals from the 1960s. That last sentence is exactly right. This is about power. It's about influence. These people are all influencers, and they really enjoy the power of the influence. And so they want their views to be heard. And if they're not, well, you're not really welcome. Former Arizona Republic journalist and current Substack blogger Jeff uh, Bidolf, who says he was raised by hippies, articulates the accepted vision of the supposed good old days. It's important to understand that the protest movements of the 1960s and early 1970s were not just about free sex, drugs, rock and roll in Vietnam, he writes. At his heart, the protest movement of that era was about personal liberty. Really? Really? Lefebvre says, I don't remember that. I don't remember that, he says. This, is, this wasn't really about personal liberty, was it? Well, maybe for their causes, for their personal liberty causes, maybe a libertine society of the 1960s. Were they really against foreign wars, though, or just a war that they didn't like? Because you look at these boomers, and they got us in foreign wars after that. I mean, look, Bill Clinton? Come on. Clinton was just as much of a warmonger and president as anybody else. So, I mean, was it really anti-war? Not really. It was a libertine lifestyle they were looking for. 
Lefebvre says, I don't remember that. I do remember that the protest movement championed the right to express certain intellectual and political positions, but opposition to those positions, not so much. It was acceptable, for instance, and almost mandatory to speak of a woman's right to illegal abortion. The rock group, the Dungeons, even sang about it in the 1967 song Rebecca Rodifer about a girl who dies from a botch alley back abortion. If there are pro-life songs from that era, I, have, era, I haven't heard them. I was in college in the early 1970s, and I can testify without fear of contradiction that to express a pro-life view then would have earned one the era's equivalent of being canceled. Cancel culture, now at its zenith, was born in the 1960s and 70s. Ask any Vietnam vet. Now, this is true. Look, uh, I think it was Susan Sontag said, you know, essentially, if you're not on board with the idea of canceling white male supremacy, then you are not really a leftist. You have to get rid of the patriarchy, the white patriarchy in society. This is her point. So this is now, these people were teaching in colleges and universities in the 60s. They taught other people to go out and, and do these things. And now, of course, uh, these people are in, are in positions of power, and this is what they're going to do. Few today would doubt that the Vietnam War was a mistake, that the draft was wrong, and that everyone had a right to decline military service in the rice paddies of a faraway land of ambiguous political significance. I chose not to enlist and was spared the agonizing decision of whether to answer the draft when my lottery number came out 315 out of 365. Others my age had a different understanding of the war, however, and when they acted on their convictions, they were ostracized. Two men I knew personally, a relative and a close friend, were both spat on by waiting members of hippie-era cancel culture when they deplained upon returning from Vietnam. In the so-called era of personal liberty, some individual choices were forbidden. It's exactly right. If you're not in line with the leftist vision of America, well then, you, are, you deserve to be canceled and eliminated in one way or another. Right now, again, it's soft. Take you off where they can't hear you. Make sure that they make it hard for you to get a job or maintain a job. Do all these things that they will do to try to ensure that you can't function in society or take down symbols of what you are, right? They go after symbols. You got this guy um, running for Louisiana that's burning a Confederate flag, saying the Confederate flag, and we're going we're gonna to get rid of the Confederacy. The Confederacy has been gone since 1865. Everything you're talking about, complaining about now, only happens because of things that have happened in the last 50 or 60 years. That's it. Confederate flag has nothing to do with that guy's plight. But yet it's all tied into that, supposedly. Just stupid. So if you, if you support that flag, or you support a Confederate monument, which is being taken down locally, well then you could be canceled for this. Certain belief systems were also under attack during this time. In fact, recent attacks on white civilization have their origins in 60s protest rockers like Neil Young. Underlying all the cultural eruptions of that area was the scent of anti-Westernism. Buddhism was cool. Christianity was not. This was, and still is, primarily because Buddhism is not a Western belief. And free enterprise? Sorry, just an excuse to colonize and enslave. This is true. The 60s were a destructive time. I remember talking to my grandmother about this. And I said, you know, the 60s were bad. She said, yeah, they were bad. You know, she had, uh, her kids were 60s kids, and she said, yeah, they were bad, but you know, the problem was us. They were our kids, and we didn't do enough to make sure they didn't become a bunch of buffoons. They were our kids, and we didn't do enough to make sure they didn't come, become a bunch of buffoons. 
So the World War II generation, I'm always critical of. Because again, that generation was involved in rearing the boomers. The boomers have done so much to tear down traditional America. Western civilization is under attack because the boomers decided it needed to be under attack. Because they were taught it needed to be under attack in universities. In truth, the supposedly liberty-loving artists of the 1960s were anything but liberty-loving. They were soft-serve Jacobins attacking established power, not for the sake of some vision of freedom, but for the purpose of imposing their own values on the culture. In other words, these people were just a bunch of Yankees. Just a bunch of Yankees. And you see, Yankees, we have a Yankee problem in America. One of my pinned tweets is, we don't have a race problem, we have a Yankee problem. We have a Yankee problem in America. It's, It's this kind of mentality that Lefebvre is talking about here. That's the real problem. Somewhere, someone is happy and they need to be stopped. And they succeeded beyond anyone's expectations. The ubiquity of identity politics and anti-Western rhetoric are their doing. And the collectivist mentality of you're either with us or against us, a 60s trademark, characterizes what we're seeing today with COVID restrictions and vaccine mandates. Why wouldn't Neil Young, one of the heirs high priests, try to dislodge a try to dislodge a naysayer like Rogan and his freedom-loving, free-thinking guests. Rogan's actions in advocating for freedom directly question the hegemony of the culture that the 60s crowd has created. And in their eyes, that is unacceptable. So I remember uh, telling a leftist professor, I think I've said this on this podcast before, that she really was a conservative because what she wanted to conserve was this. And I think Lefebvre is, is right about this. They're trying to conserve their leftist utopia that's under attack because it's ridiculous. So they're trying to conserve it. While other people are saying, you're stupid, you're ridiculous, we don't want this. No, 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 you're going to do it because this is what we say you're going to do. And so the piece that we're we're think locally, act locally, and this kind of aggressive Yankeeism, this cancel culture, Neil Young is aggressive Yankeeism. That's what he is. He's a Yankee. Neil Young is a Yankee. This kind of aggressive cancel culture, you're seeing it in Virginia. Virginia ranks number one for moving Confederate symbols and monuments in 2021, Southern Poverty Law Center says. The Southern Poverty Law Center is a bunch of Yankees. They might live in the South. Many of them are Southern, but they're Yankees because of how they they do things. For the second year in a row, Virginia has remained the leader in moving symbols and monuments relating to the Confederacy. According to the Southern Poverty Law Center's Whose Heritage? Public Symbols of the Confederacy Report which was released this month, Virginia removed 20 Confederate monuments or memorials in 2021. Texas and Florida ranked second and third. They removed 15 and seven memorials, respectively. In total, 73 Confederate memorials were renamed, relocated, or removed from public spaces in 2021. Nationwide, 33 schools with names related to the Confederacy were renamed or closed in 2021. 13 of those were in Virginia. There were also 24 memorials pending removal as of the date of this report, seven of them in Virginia. Across the country, Americans have become more aware of the Confederate memorials located in their public spaces. The momentum to remove, relocate, and or rename Confederate symbols continues to increase, and no state has done more to rid communities of these hateful symbols in Virginia, the Southern Poverty Law Center said Thursday. Hateful symbols. They're hateful. Again, idiotic narrative. But you want these things to stay? you got to get people in who are willing to protect it. And I'm telling you, Glenn Youngkin isn't the guy. Glenn Youngkin... um, is an opportunist. I've said this before, but you're going to be severely disappointed. There's a new piece by Daniel McCarthy on this, how Youngkin really is pretty bad. But anyways, 
Still, there are more than 2,000 Confederate memorials still present in public spaces in the United States, 723 which are monuments. So that's a lot of work for you Yankees to get out there and do. 2,000? Boy, this should keep you up at night. I mean, you should never sleep until 2,000 memorials are gone. That's going to be a lot of work for you Yankees to go out there and get done. You cancel culture people are going to have, I mean, that's a lot of restless nights because somebody out there has a monument that you don't like. But again, how do you protect these? Not through state legislation, but through school boards, or I should say a city councils. Because you know what, if, if the city council was controlled the right way in Richmond, those monuments never would have come down. In fact, that would have stopped them from being vandalized and everything else. That would have stopped right there. The Southern Poverty Law Center has been tracking Confederate memorials since 2015. Since that time, 377 Confederate symbols have been removed, renamed, or relocated from public spaces. Several elements have pushed communities to reconsider having public Confederate symbols in the last seven years, including the Charleston Church Massacre in 2015, the Unite to Right rally in 2017, and George Floyd's murder in 2020. In Virginia, a law went into effect July 1, 2020 that allows localities to remove, relocate, alter, or cover monuments they own. The 60-day-plus process requires public hearings. Between 2020 and 2021, some localities in the eastern Virginia region have either removed or plan to remove their Confederate statues, including Virginia Beach, Portsmouth, Waynesburg, Newport News, Franklin, Isle of Wight County, Surrey, and, uh, and North Carolina. There's another county in North Carolina. One of the most notable Virginia monuments to be removed in 2021 was the Robert E. Lee Memorial in our monument in Richmond. After a long battle in court, of the monument's fate, by the end of 2021, the Lee Monument had been removed for an order from then-Governor Ralph Northam. If you know of, of a Confederate symbol in your area or would like to share an update, please send an email to this. So if you know of, an, of a monument that needs to be taken down because you're going to be yanking it up, well, contact them about this. So again, we've got two examples. Neil Young, Cancel Culture, this article on Confederate monuments. This is Cancel Culture. This is Yankeeism at work which is why it's so destructive and dangerous. So if you don't want to get involved in local government, you should. You should get involved. Try to get involved in some way. So you can stop some of this stuff. You can vote to keep these things up. You know, you got a courthouse Confederate monument in the southern state. Vote to keep it there. That's what you could do. And of course, cancel culture is a disease. It's older than the 1960s. It's older than the French Revolution. It goes all the way back, I think, to uh, British culture, who were certainly interested in canceling things they didn't like. I mean, you've got Oliver Cromwell uh, and his minions canceling Christmas. I mean, this is hard stuff. And, of course, the Puritans did the exact same thing. So, anyways, hope you enjoyed this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. I'll see you tomorrow for the last one of the week. See you then.